Sponsored by the UCD Innovation Academy. You're listening to An Entrepreneur Like You with Dr. Lolly Mansi. Hi, I'm Dr. Lolly, and you're listening to An Entrepreneur Like You. I'm an entrepreneur and a lecturer in UCD's Innovation Academy, and I teach entrepreneurship, innovation, and creativity. And I believe that entrepreneurs are both born and made. In this series, we won't be talking to the Elon Musks and the Richard Bransons of this world. We'll be talking to people just like you. Welcome to An Entrepreneur Like You with me, Dr. Lolly. And this month's guest is Joe Phelan. Hi, Joe. Hi. How are you today? <laughs> well done. Thanks for coming up from Wicklow. Oh, no problem at all. It's a pleasure. And what's the weather doing down there? Oh, it's beautiful today. You know, just left one of our treks out there and uh, left everybody with a smile on their face, you know. Oh, so. well, it's, look, it's, it's, it's a delight to have you. And we're heading into spring, which is my favourite time. Oh, yeah. I imagine probably a very busy time of the year for you. Yeah, this year has been quite unusual in that we've been much busier than we expected. You know, I think everybody's coming out of COVID now and people are yeah. starting to get out into the fresh air and um, we're loving it, you know. <laughs> so tell the listeners um, what kind of ex- fresh air experience it is that you've got. Oh, well, we, we're very lucky. So my business is based around alpacas. Alpacas, people often ask me what they are. They're not llamas. Llamas are much bigger, a bit crankier. Um, <laughs> they're related to camelids. You know, so camels, llamas, alpacas are all of the one family. Yeah. So my business is based around the alpacas. and uh, Everything I do... Uh, is centered around them. Uh, We don't, uh, we're we're very mindful of their uh, welfare. So we work from their welfare backwards. Like I met a a lady today, she came up to me and she told me she was trekking with her animals. And I'll give you a few descriptions of what we do now in a minute. uh, Every day. And um, I was saying, ooh, that's a bit much, you know, because we only use our guys three days a week, you know. Yeah. Uh, So we're careful about how we work with them. Yeah. We, we rely on them yes, uh, for absolutely. an income yeah. and they rely on us uh, to look after them. And do they get tired? Uh, no, they're a bit like ourselves. You know, they're all yeah. different personalities, different yeah. moods and some days they can be a bit cranky, other days they're in great form, they're flying around. So yeah. our, our job really is to kind of pick up on what they're telling us and we follow what they're telling us, you know. So yeah. th- that's why it's so pleasurable for us. Every day is different. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't start with alpacas, just far from alpacas you were reared. (laughs) Let's take it back a bit. Um, Tell us a little bit about your journey to get to this point. Um, Well, I suppose I I spent 39 years in financial services, you know, my first 11 years in IT. And then I moved into uh, operations for a short while and then into, I suppose, what would have been uh, really my true vocation, which was procurement. That's purchasing. And purchasing is brilliant. You know, it gives you such a wide view on life. You know, Mm. you look at things through different eyes when you're looking at uh, purchasing because you're spending, you know, you're spending your company's money, but you're trying to do it in uh, the best way possible. Yeah. And you learn a lot about business uh, that way. Uh, But I will still caution that you still have no clue about setting up your own business, you know. (laughs) But it it does give you a good grounding, you know. Um, And then the last six years I spent uh, in uh, in the bank I worked in, I worked in pensions. Right. Um, But as, as, um, like, how do I, how did I transition out of uh, financial services into yeah. what I'm doing now. Um, I was unwilling to take a risk when my kids were small. Yeah. I had four kids. And um, so I did look at setting up my own business. I had always had a desire to set up my own business, but I don't think I was brave enough, you know, mm. uh, to do it. Uh, I didn't want to, when you're responsible for others, like my yeah. kids, yeah. I didn't want to put their, uh, I suppose, upbringing and their education at risk. Uh, but yeah. once once I got them through college and once I knew they were all kind of well safely through college, yeah. it changed my thinking completely. Where did the entrepreneurial bent come from in you? Um, I am not 100% sure, but I, I think uh, it comes from, uh, we, we didn't have anybody in business in our family as such, right. um, but my mum was always very in, industrious. She was yeah. always making things, selling things, country markets, ICA, um, always knitting, always always busy, busy, you know. Yeah. Um, I think maybe that had rubbed off me. Yeah. Um, and when I was younger as well, maybe up to my teens, I spent a lot of time on our family farm. Right. Like I was born and bred in a town. 
So, uh, but on the farm, you kind of learned how to work and you learned how to, to make a living, you know. Um, was this dairy beef? What kind of farm was uh, it? It was a mixed traditional farming. So yeah. it had um, it had crops, it had beef, it yeah. had dairy. Yeah. So yeah. these days, farms have to be a lot more specialised. So your dad was a farmer? Uh, he was born and bred in a farm. Yes. But uh, he, he left when he was something like 19. And uh, my uncle ran the farm. Okay. Uh, my uncle died about 20 years ago and he left the farm to my dad right. um, and that in itself is part of the story because yeah. when the farm was left to my dad we were all well in our own careers and uh, the farm which has been in the family for 470 years wow. it was the first time it was not being run by anybody in the family Yeah. so uh, I think personally I just had a strong tie to the farm because we had spent so much time on it when we were young Yeah. And um, I just hated seeing it uh, gradually and slowly deteriorating. Yeah. So I had this idea that that I would get it up and running, but right. um, but with my financial background and have a prudent head, <laughs> putting on, me, on a clean pair of wellies. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I quickly found out you couldn't get a yeah. farm up and running. You know, yeah. the capital costs were huge, and the, re- the returns made no sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. So then I started researching alternative farming. Okay. And just during that research, I came across the alpacas. <laughs> so. so when you say alternative farming, mm. what else did you look at? Well, I looked at crops, I looked at plants, I looked at uh, um, poultry. Um, yeah. I looked at a wide different variety of things because I, you know, if farming, you need to be young, really. And yeah. uh, you need to have a big investment. It's a tough game. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a hard work, you know. And it's, uh, you know, if you're into dairy, for example, it's seven days a week. Yeah. Um, so I was looking for something that was a bit different because I knew I couldn't compete, for example, against your traditional farmers because they have a lifetime ex- of experience mm. and equipment and all that sort of stuff. So it had to be something different. Um, I didn't quite know it, what, what it was, but I looked at all sorts of stuff, including snails and things like that. But, <laughs> um, but the, the alpacas caught my attention. Um, and the more I researched them, the more amazing an animal I found them to be. So everything else fell by the wayside pretty quickly. Okay. So what do you remember the first thing that you saw to do with alpacas that sort of... I don't quite remember yeah. because um, I was just researching things and I came across them and I, I think I was researching... Well, I, I was continuing to research other streams as well. Yeah. Um, but the more I researched into them, I just started uh, Googling. Felt uh, a calling. Yeah, uh, alpacas <laughs> and... Um, but I suppose one of the things in my my previous role in procurement and purchasing was I was very good at finding value yeah, uh, and finding the value in something. Um, so I could see very early on the value within the alpacas. Yeah. And, but again, prudent financial services background, I took my time and I spent yeah. two years researching them. So it was a two-year lead-in before I even got my first And is that all on Google or are you travelling or...? Uh, both, yeah. both, yeah. A lot on Google because I had uh, my commute into work was yeah. an hour, an hour and a quarter. So I used my time well. Um, uh, I I was on... I see the only person looking at alpacas on the train. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I'd get annoyed if the if the Wi-Fi wasn't good yeah. or anything like that, you know, because I couldn't look at what I was looking. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of research um, and I built up a whole profile of what was happening across the whole industry. Great. Um, and I visited a lot of farms, you know, first of all in Ireland. Yeah. Um, I went to the first guy who brought them in. They only, they only came in in 2000. Right. Uh, and a chap by the name of Damien Dreyer down in Fenor, he brought the first alpacas in and he retired there in 2017. Right. So his animals dispersed across the country. Um, but he, he was, he, it was much more difficult for him mm. because he had to get them in directly from Peru. Right. Uh, alpacas originate in South America, Peru. But now the UK have a good uh, base of animals. The, the, the largest base of animals in Europe oh, are based in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and also they had really good pedigree as well. So okay. they managed to get their pedigree from directly from Peru, but from Australia, which is really, really good. They're at, they're at the forefront of mm. breeding and the States. Okay. Um, but then, you know, I started uh, spreading my research a bit further and yeah. I would, uh, my idea of a good weekend was head over to the UK and visit as many farms as I could. You and know? how many would there be in the UK? Oh, there's, oh, I, I don't know, but there's 50,000 alpacas in the UK. Wow. Like, there's a lot in the UK, yeah. So yeah. There's, there's lots of farms. Where are they all? And Well, they, they originated kind of down south. Now they're okay. still spreading up the whole way up to the north, up to Scotland. Okay, even. okay. Um, 
And I deliberately took uh, a cross-section of farms. So yeah. I went, for, went to big farms, small farms, specialist breeders. And, you know, I was very kind of, um, um, I, I just, I would say, systematic in the way I kind of looked at things. Yeah. Just to get, I didn't want to get one view. I want to get a very broad view. I mean, it's it's interesting that you were doing that sort of naturally, sort of you know, in the like, sort of cautionary because it's it is of course it's risky, but it's it's, mm. it's a calculated risk to to move into something like this, and you can mitigate those risks by doing your research. You know, my oh. my students even today, you know, they were so they're very starting their second module, which is where they're working on mm. their own business ideas in um, innovation entrepreneurship, and today they were pitching their ideas, and from the early pitch of what I think it's going to be, the second stage then of course is let's go and test all our assumptions and do a competitor analysis and find out where we sit in the ecosystem of everything else. So what was it like going to, how were you received just sort of, obviously you're making an appointment at these farms and Mm -hmm. like, you know, what do you say? Like, can I come and see it or can I visit it? Were people amenable to that? Yeah, um, I... I, I likewise am the same now. If anybody asks me, can they come and visit, mm. you know, there's open arms there. And during COVID, I heard I helped about 20 people set up um, alpaca businesses. Amazing. But likewise, it, it just seems to be a nice community. Yeah. Um, and because I wasn't a threat, particularly in the UK, an Irish guy over there, yeah. didn't, they didn't feel I was a threat. And um, I was able to talk to any and all of the farms. You know, I, I, I can't recall anybody who said no to me. Yeah, great. Um, and, so, and how much are you digging in while you're there? Are you like, I, <laughs> how I, much I, revenue I, are you making? Like, um, you know, what kind of questions can you ask? Is it just okay. general or is it everything? Uh, well, I, I would be, like, I, I was like a sponge. So yeah. I was just really trying to work out uh, from both a husbandry point of view, how do you look after these guys? How resilient are they? Mm. But from a business point of view, I was looking, well, how, how are you making money out of yeah. this? You know? Yeah. Um, it's the question most people don't like to answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, what I found, though, was that a lot of people just had them for supplementary income. Right. So they weren't really trying to um, make a living from them fully. Right, right. So it was just supplementing what else they were doing, you know. Um, and by, by, by conducting the research that I did, I, you know, before I even started off, I had about, I had identified about 30 different income streams. Yeah. And as far as I could see, nobody was doing it, uh, bringing all those income streams together. Right. Today, I'm up to well over 50 income streams with the alpacas. Incredible. And um, some of them don't work. I've tried lots of them. Others do. Um, and we, I just follow the ones that I saw that worked. Yeah. So what was your next move then? Because you, did you go out to Peru yourself? Oh, I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me about that. But that was, I think I was committed at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, back in 2016, I did a business startup course. And that really kind of converted what was an idea into a business in my head. Was that through the local enterprise office? Uh, no, it, well, it was. Yeah, it was um, um, a program called the Irish Irish Smart Aging Exchange, yeah. and it was it was initiative with the with the local enterprise, uh, university, uh, and a group that kind of coordinated the whole lot. Great. And also, I think um, Bank of Ireland were involved in yeah. it. Um, so it it was that combination. Mm. So it was it was innovative in its time. Yeah. Um, so did I go out to Peru? Yes, I did. <laughs> um, literally, I when I kicked off my business, you know, I, the, I set up the business in 2016, yeah. and really kicked it off properly in 2017 and I just found it was growing organically. Yeah. Um, I didn't really advertise it. It was all word of mouth and um, what I was doing was quite unique. Um, there was other people um, around doing, uh, let's say, carrying out alpaca treks and I started the alpaca treks as, let's say, um, I called it a B&B, bed and breakfast. Okay. So for the, for the animals just to earn their keep. Oh, okay. The animals, yeah. <laughs> so, the, yeah. not, not the people. Yeah, no, yeah. So, uh, um, and I just found the reaction was phenomenal. Um, was anyone else doing alpaca trekking in Wicklow? No, uh, okay. there wasn't really anybody else doing alpaca trekking in Ireland at that stage. Oh, in Ireland itself. Yeah. Okay, uh, there was one lady kind of casually doing it down in Cork. Yeah. And she was the only one. In okay. the UK, it had just about, uh, it was it was starting to emerge. Um, and... Uh, but also, for some strange reason, I thought alpaca and prosecco would be a nice mixture. <laughs> 
So when Prosecco we... <laughs> and anything is good mixture. <laughs> and I don't know why I picked it, but yeah. it, it, the combination of the two is yeah. what has catapulted us like, into um, you know the leader in not only in Ireland but I'd say right across the UK as well. We've we've um, a lot of people you know complimenting us and copying us. Um, so that was I, I look. I don't know why. A bit lucky, and uh, I used to tell anybody about the prosecco, and it used to be a nice surprise at the end okay, of the walk. But now, of course, it's and a selling point. Now it's a selling yeah, point. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once the cat got out of the bag there, and it was announced, it was all over the place. You know, yeah. um, I had a couple of lucky breaks along the way. Yeah. Um, we had um, one of these social media companies did a piece on us. You know, they were asking me for about oh about three months. Could he come and do a piece? And yeah. I, I was really only just in the early stages yeah. I was still working full time uh, and I said if I did I knew business would pick up and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to keep up with it mm. but I couldn't have um, even anticipated the impact it had yeah. so they came they did the article really short and quirky it went viral yeah. uh, we lost count after 10 million views like, it was phenomenal <laughs> And my phone was hopping off the hook all the yeah. time. Uh, I just couldn't keep up with it. It was mad, you know. And w I only had a limited number of animals. Yeah. And at that stage, like, you, people were booking six, seven, eight months in advance. Right. I, I ran my first, uh, I was just lucky. I ran my first, um, let me see, until COVID, yeah. I was always fully booked. Yeah. You know, fully booked. Well, it, I remember it, trying to book in and it was yeah. <laughs> literally four or five months down the road. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So again, I was lucky, you know. Um, but, you know, we work hard in the background, you know. Um, well, first to market is always advantageous, you know. It is, and, but yeah. then staying there is is, is, is is something else that takes a, a sort of a, a completely different skill set. We're going to take a short break. Right. And then I want to delve into um, how what the trek feels like and how you put it together. And then some of the other revenue streams that have come from this. So welcome back. We're talking all things alpaca with Joe Phelan from K2 Alpacas. Joe, tell me about what is a what is a, an alpaca trek? Uh, well, our, our our alpaca treks are amazing. I think anyway, um, but then I'm biased, you know. So an alpaca trek experience is a two-hour experience. So our customers come, we uh, welcome them warmly. Uh, once we have a group of 10, because we, we don't walk in large groups, we all keep our groups small. Uh, mm. And again, it's all part of the experience. Um, we give our customers an introduction. Uh, we give them a handling talk. And then we put a halter and a lead on our alpaca and you go one-to-one -one with your alpaca across our farm. Uh, we have a 90-acre farm. We have loads of walks on it, so it's really, really scenic. Um, so people then will have opportunities to, to get selfies and photos and get an opportunity to feed their alpaca. Hmm. Um, and these guys are, are like, they just are so grounding. You know, you, you can't really put your, your finger on it, but anybody who comes on a trek, they leave with a big smile on their face. They, they leave both mentally and physically feeling much, much better. Um, when we finish our trek, yeah. then we come back uh, at the end of our trek and we give everybody a nice glass of Prosecco, which is always very nice. But if for those who are driving or whatever, we have juice as well. Yeah. And then they get to visit our little shop on the farm. So what is it about alpacas? Because I've done that trek, uh, as you know. So, um, And you're absolutely right. There's something... It's there's something sort of almost meditative, meditative about being with them. They're very in their personalities. Talk to me a little bit about how their personalities differ and 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 what they're like in terms okay. of Okay. Well, we have at the moment we have 81 alpacas. Our numbers yeah. go up and down all the times. Yeah. Um so we're probably down to our lowest in a while. Um each of them have their own individual personalities mm. and mood. Um and we know them all by their individual individual personalities. Well, you know them by name, right? Oh, we do, yeah. All yeah, of them. So every single one, you know. <laughs> Which so, yeah. astounds me that you know every single one and, by name. Uh, and I have to I have to look at their face <laughs> to identify who they are because I don't know them by their tag numbers, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas the staff would, would have to check the tag number to see who they're talking to. Whereas I just look at the face and say, that's Tom, that's Ducky, that's it's wherever it is, you know. Um, but we have, even with the yeah. names, we have great fun. Yeah. You know, I named the first four after my kids. Yeah. I named the next 14 after nieces and nephews. Now we're into the next generation where nephews have had kids and we're naming them after their kids. And then others, we just 
an animal looks like. We have a guy by the name of Barry. He just looked like a Barry to me. Don't ask me why, you know. So, <laughs> Barry the Elf. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. So um, he's he's a character. Um, and we call him Biting Bum Barry, you know, because he. Oh, I think I, he was on my track. Oh, I'd say he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's 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 a good character. He's a big personality, and um, he's very independent. Yeah. But he doesn't bite our bums now. He bites the bums of the other alpacas, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's like, uh, and even though you might be only on a trek for, let's say, the walk itself might. Be an hour and a quarter. Yeah, people do pick up on the personalities yeah. that that exist amongst the amongst the uh, alpacas, um, and they seem to have a very calming influence yeah. on people. You know, like I was I was doing an event there last week, and for for some reason, I was extremely stressed in the morning. You know, well, I could feel the tension building up mm. in me. Um, so I just went out to the Korea, to the babies, the yeah. kids, you know, and I spent some time with them, just doing a bit of work with them, mm. and it just got rid of all my um, anxiety and stress. It was just amazing. I remember you said that to me before when we met up in UCD because mm. you, you said that, you know, if if you're ever stressed, you just go and stand in the field and you just instantly feel better. So yeah. there, there's got to be, is there any times of research that sort of shows this effect on them? Well, I, I think there's, well, there's very little, there's lots of research on animals, but very yeah. little research on alpacas. Yeah. Um, they have this really good temperament, mm. you know, um, and it seems to transfer across to whoever they're with. Yeah. Um, but they yeah. also, like we notice that sometimes our treks don't go so well. Yeah. Uh, and that's because usually the people they're with are extremely nervous or anxious and right. they haven't settled down and, and the animals will pick up on that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but on a really positive side then when we do a therapeutic work um, we can work with adults and children uh, with special needs and these, mm. these might be non-verbal uh, and you do all the wrong things, like sudden yeah. movements, loud noises. But the animals don't react. So it really amazes us to see the way they actually uh, sense that there's no threat there. And um, the, like it's, it, it is a fascinating. We don't fully understand it. Mm. So when we're doing our therapeutic work, we work based on what we see in front of us. Right. So we're not qualified. So we rely on whoever's coming to us to bring any qualified staff. But mm. generally speaking, when we're with the animals... Um, we're just uh, following what we see in front of us. So we see um, the kids or the adults and how they react and we see the animals and how they react and we just work with them together. You know, it's it's not something I, I suppose I could teach because it's a lot of it's yeah. intuitive, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you say therapeutic work, but what exactly happens? Okay, so let's say if we have um, a group of children, for mm -hmm. example, with autism, you know, the first thing we're doing is um, we're making sure that they're comfortable on site. Yeah. Um, we're, we're introducing them to the animals before they even meet them. Um, and then each child is, is different. So some of them might not want to go near them at all. Yeah. So all we're doing is building up their confidence so they, they can um, make contact with them because yeah. it's very tactile. You know, alpacas, it's very hard to describe how soft and wonderful they are. Yeah. Um, They're very so, huggable. Yeah, very huggable, you know, and even even how they smell is amazing. Yeah. They, they smell like popcorn, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and they're very accepting. Yeah. Like, um, I suppose the way I can describe it, we have what we call a kid's alpaca experience yeah. for small children, you know, for seven and downwards. And, and the animals we have in there, the alpacas we have in there are free roaming. Right. So they don't have to come up to the kids. Right. But, but they do. They come up and they sit with them and they hug them and everything. Um, and that's something that um, we have, I suppose, worked with the animals to build up the confidence that they can trust us to mind them. Yes. And at the same time, uh, allow people to come up and uh, interact with them. So I think it's yeah. more that interaction, the contact, the physical contact with the animals really helps a lot. I mean, physical contact generally really helps us a lot as a species, you know, mm -hmm. from an evolutionary point of view. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of research sort of, you know, in, in babies that aren't held that will, you mm -hmm. know, babies, even if they're fed and watered, they'll die without contact yeah, very early yeah. on. Um, and sort of moving out of COVID, I think that's one of the things that we missed. And that may well be why your business is, is doing so well, mm -hmm. um, uh, potentially, because we on some sort of deep evolutionary level, we desire sort of non-judgmental contact. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it is non-judgmental with the mm. alpacas uh, and they give freely. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I think it's been, well, it's been well proven working with animals uh, re- uh, releases all these positive endorphins. Yes, absolutely. You know? yeah. Um, Oxytocin, I think it is. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- that's why everybody comes back from a trek. Um, e- even even people who go out really nervous, yeah. um, halfway through they've managed to relax and they manage to interact and they come back with big smiles on their face and really feeling happy. And the memories last mm. for a long time after they, they leave us, you know. Yeah, I remember when we were driving up to you and there was this giant rainbow and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> and then uh, the alpaca that like myself... never, never land. I know, but myself, my, my daughter and I had a, and her friend had alpacas and the alpaca that my daughter had was lying down, uh, scratching his back on the road with his giant legs up in the air and the kids were laughing their heads off. It was just glorious, you know. So it's, it's, it's such a special thing to do. And do you think that, you know, all that sort of grounding in terms of your earlier years on the farm, you know, like, do you feel you've you've ticked that box for yourself now because you've developed your own space? Um, yeah, like uh, this, this, there's nobody to learn this off, yeah. you know, because we, we've kind of pushed the boundaries in relation to um, what we're doing with the alpacas yeah. and um, generating income streams for them. Um, and it's interesting, it just comes to my mind. When I started off on this journey, I was frowned upon. You know, because uh, let's say my predecessors were saying, oh, you know, you can't be commercial with these animals. Yeah. Um, and I suppose maybe the word commercial has a negative overture, but we we have always managed the animal's welfare first. Yeah. And then everything comes afterwards. And um, like... Uh, I find it a huge compliment that so many people copying me now, you know, not only in Ireland, but across the UK, um, particularly after we went viral that time, so many people picked up on it, you know, right across yeah. the, the globe because it, 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 it went right around the globe, you know, so, um, so that was a pleasure. Uh, but we've learned the hard way, you know, mm. we've learned by seeing what works and what doesn't work, you know, and I think if you don't keep your mind open to that, then it won't work. You know, you have to be mm. mindful. You have to be genuinely interested in the animals. And all the staff that we have are brilliant because they have a genuine interest in the animals and they get their pleasure from working with the animals, you know. So we would have a husbandry day, you know, yeah. an animal day every Monday and then the staff are welcome to come up and they always do because um, mm. they're getting their part of their... Um, their oxytocin fix. Oxytocin fix, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, on those days, you know, so... Um, and do you have a big waiting list of people wanting to work with you? Uh, we don't, actually, so uh, we're finding it extremely difficult. And this this has been a turnaround because yeah. we used to. We used to have a lot of people looking to work with us. Uh, and But now, since COVID, we're finding it quite difficult yeah. to find uh, people because I would be pretty strong, much, much more stronger now in relation to the type of people we take. Yeah. They have to be really genuinely interested in, in the animals and they have to then be able to, uh, uh, you know, they have to be able to interact with our customers yeah. too because at the end of the day, when what we do is pleasurable for the animals yeah. but also for our customers, yeah. you know, and our jobs when we're, we're out on our treks are to mind the animals but we do it in such a way that our customers don't even notice. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they get the full pleasure of it as well, you know, so... Um, yeah, no, it's I, interesting. I can see. I can see how that is. <laughs> yeah. So, if if somebody is interested in becoming an alpaca trek tour leader, yeah, we call them trek buddies. <laughs> trek buddies. There we go. Yeah. Uh, they should contact you. How, oh, do, how would they contact you? Yeah, well, they, they can contact me through my email, which is joe at k two alpacas dot ie, yeah. or else we have a contact page on our website, which is k two alpacas dot ie, our website. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about alpaca zooms <laughs> because oh, <yes. laughs> that really took off for you, and that was very innovative. I loved it. Tell us what that was. Okay, so during COVID, uh, yeah. we were locked down no different than anybody else. And we're saying, well, how do we keep things ticking over? Um, so we we came up with the idea of Zoom calls with alpacas. Yeah. So we had um, we had meetings. So we would appear at a, let's say, a staff meeting. And, you know, I think during COVID, there was debt by Zoom. You oh, know? my God. We were, all, we're still on Zoom, but we yeah. were all on Zoom. Yeah. yeah. So next minute, an alpaca, an alpaca would appear in the call and it really just livened Fantastic. up everything and yeah. um, we'd, we'd just give a little talk about the animal and we use different animals all the time because they all have different stories behind them yeah. you know yeah. um, and then we did farm visits as well okay. um, whereby we would take people on a on a, a Zoom for, you know a, a video tour of the farm Is that when we were in lockdown? Uh, during lockdown yeah, yeah. that's very yeah. smart yeah. so whereas we people f- couldn't physically come to us and, and we'd take them around we'd, we, because we have so many 
characters. Yeah. You know, we're able to tell about their stories and about their personalities, and, and that made it real. I think for everybody, you know, and we had we had Zoom calls with people from all four continents at, some, yeah. you know, at various stages. We had Zoom calls with um, maybe a, a boyfriend doing a pickup for his, you know, type of um, initiative for his girlfriend, uh, team meetings, lots of different stuff, birthday parties on Zoom and stuff like that. So it's absolutely really good fun. Uh, alpacas yeah. on Zoom, it's mm. next level. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Tell us about some of the characters that you have. Tell us about them. Oh, right. So, well, you know, where do I start? There's so many, you know, so... Start um, with your favourite. Oh, my favourite. Uh, that's a really hard question. Can you pick a favourite like, child? <laughs> I, <laughs> not really. Look, I, I have different favourites for different reasons, okay. you know. So let's, uh, let me think of uh, Classic Touch. She's one of our girls. Yeah. She's a matriarch. She's the boss, you know. Yeah. And I love her to bits. But she's quite scary okay. because if I brought anybody into a field, I always have to forewarn them because she would actually run at you, but you wouldn't make contact. Okay. And then she'd stop right nose to nose with you. Oh, and, she's uh, feeling the, she's seeing if you're fearful. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. Checking so you out. she's quite, she's Love quite, that. she's quite feisty little girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'd be pretty confident she'd give up her own life to save the others. You know, she's wow. that sort of personality. Um, another guy, Ted, he's big Ted. We have two Ted's, little Ted and big Ted. Both of them fantastic. Little Ted, I we could ask him to do anything. We could have him in the studio with us here now, yeah. and he'd just sit and he'd hum away there. Yeah, he he nothing nothing phases him. Yeah. Uh, big Ted now is different. Big Big Ted, I think, has a big ego. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I half think he's he's he thinks he's a person. Okay. Um, but if he's doing a trek and he sees me, he'll stop and he won't move until I go up and give him a hug, you oh. know. And then once he gets his hug, he skips off for himself, happy as Larry, <laughs> you know. So he's really, really good, you know. Um, like we have so many, as I said, we have so many. Cooper, for example, is one of our guys. He's with me the longest. Yeah. So when Cooper was small, we were doing a promotion for um, a company in Dunleary. Yeah. And uh, we walked across the seafront and uh, it took us like... What was meant to be a 12-minute walk took us three hours. <laughs> and uh, we were just mobbed. We stopped the cars, stopped the buses and everything. And yeah. we were stuck up on the far end of Dunleary. And I was really worried because about, about the animals' welfare. Yeah. And as you would, um, we we asked the bus driver and we popped him on the bus. <laughs> and uh, we, we only, it was only two stops away and we got back in minutes what took us hours to get there. So, oh, so if you Google alpacas on the bus, that's Cooper, you know. Oh, so, fantastic. But like that's why I'm saying that yeah. he's with me the longest and he's so experienced, you know. He's he's a bit of a rogue because when we're rounding him up, they come in really easy, but he's always looking for an escape route, you know, because okay. he's he's so used to it now. He thinks yeah. if I can get away with it, um, he will. And you can't tell a the way you can't allow them to get away with it because they are really intelligent animals. Yeah, um, it happened to me once, um, whereby uh, one of the guys, Ducky, again a really friendly guy, he stopped walking. He used to sit down, and he was getting away with it. Yeah. you know. So the trek buddies at the time didn't weren't like they're like kids. You you have to rep reprimand them. Yeah, but anyway, so Ducky started <laughs> sitting down on the walks, and then it started spreading, and it got to a stage where nearly everybody was sitting down on the walk. <laughs> So what I had to do was go back, retrain the Trek buddies and also um, tell the alpacas off in a nice way. You, you don't have to be physical with them. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. They know when they're being told off. Yeah. And change the route a bit because we had a, we had a very restricted route yeah. and they all started walking again. So that's why I say, we have, look, there's so many stories. Do we they just suck? love them. Oh, they do, yeah. Yeah, so they do, yeah. So, like, they squabble amongst themselves. Yeah. And um, when you look at them, you see the lip dropped, you know, so that means, oh, oh somebody's stressed. And it could be oh. somebody just very simple, given out to them, yeah. you know, uh, given out to each other. And it could be a dry spit or something like that. Okay. And the, somebody drops, you can see the lip dropped, and say, oh, he's stressed because uh, he, he didn't like being given out to, you know, so, but they are amazing, you know. Um, we have another guy, Christian. Again, he's one of our leaders. We always have to watch Christian mm. because um, if we have any tools or anything, he, he picks them up and goes off with them, you know. <laughs> he's funny, you know. He's a kleptomaniac. So we don't, I don't think we'd have time to go all through all 81, no, course, but they all have great, great personalities. And we have a couple of drama queens in there as well. You go know, on, so. tell us about the drama queens. Oh, Abervale now, she she always thinks the worst of everything, you know. Yeah. So when, even when we're putting on her halter today, she, she's kind of, thrown her head up and she's kind of um, she's always a kind of glass half full type of girl yeah um, but then when she's walking she's brilliant you know, yeah. she's just such such um, I don't know she's such a character <laughs> what about the Kriya how does that work when they're they're giving birth yeah so alpacas like there's so many unique things about alpacas um, alpacas are pregnant for 11 and a half to 12 and a half months wow um, 
we just cover the girls with the boys and how do we check the, the girls are pregnant? We'll bring the boys back to the girls a week to 10 days later and if she's pregnant, she'll spit at them. So, <laughs> so it's called a spit off, yeah. So no pregnancy test needed. Oh, no pregnancy, yeah. So it's just a spit off, yeah. And, and is that contemptuous? Or uh, oh, yeah, look, it's once and done. Don't okay. come back to me. I'll see you in Don't a year's time. Yeah. yeah. But, wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very definite, you know. That's <laughs> phenomenal. And um, then the girls will carry the Kriya, uh, baby alpaca is called a Kriya, yeah. for 11 and a half to 12 months. And they usually give birth in the morning okay. very civilised none of this all night crack and um, they usually self-bert okay. so when alpaca is giving birth it's called unpacking <laughs> so oh, no alpacas way. unpack <laughs> um, and they usually self-bert and very rarely would we have to help them yeah. and the kriya are usually around kind of seven and a half kg in weight you know, but they look like young foals they're all legs, they're all legs yeah, yeah neck yeah. yeah and they're up and about within 15 minutes and feeding within a half an hour so they're very resilient animals and very tough animals yeah I mean I think if we We've never seen it live. We've all seen it on Bambi, right? I mean, it's, oh, sort yeah. of, it's yeah. very similar to that. I know, it's much better. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, what, how are they in, in terms of when the career is first born? You know, they're, how long do they stay with the mother? How maternal are the mothers? How does that work? Yeah, uh, well, like ourselves, some of them are really good mums. Yeah. Others are, you know, less less good or less attentive. Yeah. Um, like, there's no one way um, okay. but we would leave the Korea whip mums for about five to six months you know okay. it depends on the Korea um, usually six months max you know yeah. and then we wean them off you know okay. to give mum a chance um, because usually you know, once the girls give birth by the way they're back looking for the boys within a week to two weeks, you know. So, um, right. you know, uh, so they like, they seem to like being pregnant. Okay. Um, um, but again, like us, some of them handle their pregnancies yeah. very well. Um, now, the Avervale Aber- I mentioned, she got really cranky when she was pregnant. Well, it's because she's a drama queen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then when she when she gave birth, she was fine again afterwards, you know. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Oh, We're going to take our second break. And after that, I want to really delve into these 50 plus revenue streams. Oh, right. <laughs> that you've got. You don't have to give away your company secrets, mm-hmm. but uh, I just think it's fascinating how they can generate so much income for you. Welcome back to an entrepreneur like you. So we've just heard all about baby Krias and about their mothers and about the treks. So let's delve in then to these different revenue streams. So when you were first out and you were looking at articles and you were in Peru, what was in your mind then about the kind of revenue streams that you might have before you really got established into the market? Um Okay, so I suppose like what what I was doing was visiting lots of different farms, doing a lot of research. Uh, and I did basically, if you want to call it a mind map, just dumped everything out yeah. of my head down into uh, onto a blank sheet. And then it started um, pulling all that together into segments. You know? yeah. So um, a large part of a business, which really hadn't, you know, before I started off, ever, most people were generating a supplementary income from breeding. Yeah. Um, but I found uh, that the agritourism side of the business is the biggest part of the business right. at the moment. Uh, breeding is very important, and we have we have multiple revenue streams within that side of the business, yeah. including adjusting, which is like livery for alpacas, stud services, and so on. So you take other people's alpacas? Yeah, we and look do. After yeah, them. yeah. So okay. I have um, I have a, a a lady who lives in Ranla, no yeah. land in there. So she owns an alpaca. She comes out to whenever she wishes. I have a lady in the states <laughs> who owns an alpaca. Alpaca. So um, okay. she comes over now. She's moved over. So I think eventually she will buy her own place here, and then she'll take her alpaca on onto her own. And land. they just come and visit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they do. Yeah, and they, and we look after them like we look after our own. You know. Yeah. So um, so it, 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 again, it's another income stream. Yeah. You know. Um, in the agritourism side, you know, the the alpaca and prosecco treks yeah. um, have been very popular and very good for us. But we don't rest on our laurels because um, there is a perception that it's easy to do. Yeah. You know, some people think you can buy a loaf of bread and open a restaurant, you know, that sort of thing. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of work, you know. Um, um, But we're very, we we love doing our weddings. We love doing our therapy work. We loved visiting our um, Just say what the weddings are because I know them because (laughs) I'm in the wedding business. But uh, tell them what happens in weddings. So weddings. So we we go to weddings with our alpacas uh, and we dress them up. 
you know, so, so so we'd have um, usually it's two boys because I, I don't really like taking the girls to the outside events. So okay. we'll dress one of the boys in the tux, yeah, and the other, and the other boy with a veil and a bow and things. If and it's a heterosexual couple, of yeah, course, well, yeah. we have two tuxes, we've yeah, done two yeah, tuxes, exactly. we've done two veils, Brilliant. you know, and uh, we go to the wedding and we're there for the photo opportunity for for the couple. Yeah. Um, but then usually between the ceremony and the meal, there's about two hours. Yes. And um, we're there for the guests then, you know, yeah. because it's a great way for breaking the ice for guests, you know, so they, they actually gives them something to talk about and also to mingle together. Yeah. And so they get their selfies and photos with, with the alpacas. Yeah. But not all animals would be suitable for that, you know, because that kind of work is quite intense. So yeah. we would say there's only about 10% of our guys any that would be suitable for that type of work. And is that because people are a little bit sort of boisterous because they're drinking or? Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. They, they just... Um, they just do things that they're unaware of that okay. could um, stress the animals. Yeah. So basically, our job is quite simple. When we're working with the animals, we're minding them. Yes. So absolutely. we're we're stopping uh, people for unknowingly stressing them. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's our job, basically. So there's weddings, weddings. There's the therapy work. Yeah. Hen parties. Don't forget hen, hen parties. parties. So hen parties are coming up and doing the treks. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we have the cottages as well, they'll book okay. and stay in the cottages and uh, do a trek at the same time. Okay. Um, so this is where everything is starting to because um, you were building them during out. COVID. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that was tough, you know, during COVID. But we got there. You know, yeah. so we opened them in July last year. How many cottages do you have? We have seven self-catering cottages, and we can cater for up to twenty-six people. So, um, are people booking them for holidays? Uh, yes, all sorts. You yeah. know, we were we were well booked for Christmas, and then kind of January was quite, and now coming up into St Patrick's Day, they're yeah. all booked again. Um, and book them for different reasons. People will come because where we're based in Wicklow, we're right in the middle of all, like I I didn't deliberately pick the spot, but I'm almost in the centre of everything. You yes. know, half an hour in any direction, you're at all the attractions in Wicklow. Yeah. Um, so yes, we have all sorts that uh, um, book the cottages. Like last year, we found a lot of workers booking because they couldn't get accommodation. You okay. know, people who are working lo locally. Yeah, yeah. So all sorts, you know. So um, well, hotel accommodation is very difficult. Oh, it's to get become these days. extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. So so what, where else are alpacas used in 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 different forms? Because they're not really used for meat, right? Uh, they are, oh, but they not, are. not here. But not here, you know, okay. Not here, yeah. Okay. So their fibre is to die for. You know, the, their wool is called yeah. fibre, okay. and it's called fibre of the gods. It is <laughs> so good, you know. Uh, it is hyperallergenic. Yeah. It is water-resistant, fire-retardant, very soft and very hard-wearing. Amazing, uh, It lasts yeah. for years. So I think in time, uh, alpaca will supersede cashmere, you know. Because they're 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 um, I was going to say they're shaved. That's not the right yeah, term at all, is no, it? They're, yeah, they're shorn. Yeah. Shorn. Yeah, they get a haircut. They get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, so that's once every year. spring. Uh, yeah, we we usually shear in May, May uh, just May, before okay. the weather turns. We find that's the best time. So. How did you learn how to shear an alpaca? Um, I don't shear my own because okay. I get a uh, shear in because um, okay. like uh, I could shear, but um, it's just better to get somebody professional in much quicker and much faster. Is it a similar process to a sheep? A uh, lot different. Okay, you know. A Sheep, uh, shear will Much catch them. Legs. Yeah, sit them on their bum and shear them. It takes them about two minutes. Okay. We uh, found that the less stressful way to shear an alpaca is we shear them on a table. So we walk them up beside the table, and before they realise it, they're on us because it's it's table that tilts. Okay. Uh, and they're they're tied out for their own okay, safety and yeah, for our safety yeah. because of their long legs and yeah. long necks. And it takes. It takes the shear about six minutes to shear them. Okay. And the value comes off in the blankets. You yeah. know, uh, it has to come off in one piece. Right. So every blanket is handled individually, weighed individually, wow. and the mill assess it individually and they pay you according to what they receive. So, so it's very important. When it's done you say right. the mill, but you're not sending them to the same mill as the sheep wool is going uh, to. No, unfortunately, mill. Yeah, yeah. Brexit is causing a nightmare there yeah. because we have to ship all our fibre to the UK. Okay. Um, so at the moment, we're looking across Europe because yeah. Brexit has really caused us lots of headaches. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Like we, we, we got a call, uh, I remember New Year's Eve um, last year, to say our supplier for feed for the animals was no longer going to supply us. Right. Um, so it took us three months, but we got there. We had to work our way through all the paperwork. We had to find a carrier who would bring it, which yeah. turned out to be harder than we thought. Yeah. Uh, but now we have a process whereby we get the feed in, but it takes up to a month to get it in, whereas previously it was three or four days, you know. What is it that they eat? 
Um, well, there are many ruminants. Yeah. So it's grass, hay and haylage, and they love blackberries and they love the flowers, of course. But this specialist feed is a coarse camelid feed. So it's low in cereals, yeah. uh, low in protein and high in vitamins. Okay. So yeah. um, it's specially made for camelids. Going back to the fibre, there's different types of the fibre, right? So it's different price points. Yeah. How does that all work? Okay, so it's all down to the quality. Yeah. So, well, there's two breeds, first of all. There's a Suri alpaca. Their fibre is amazing. It's like uh, silk. You know, mm. it's really long and silky and very smooth. Uh, and there's the Wakayas. And they're like the big fluffy teddy bears that most people would recognise. So the fibre, the quality of the fibres uh, is based on the fineness, you know. Yeah. And there's multiple grades of uh, fineness. So the yeah. higher, the finer the grade, the better the price you'll get. And this year, I'm really chuffed because uh, we're breeding off our own homebred studs and we just literally, sam- uh, we got samples of all the Creus fibre um, last week and they're all ultrafine, which is amazing, which is the best the quality fibre. Oh, to us, like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like, uh, yeah. Because we we were breeding, we had bought in studs yeah. and um, we we knew we had good quality ourselves, but like now this is proof that we're actually breeding uh, top end alpacas in the country, which is it's brilliant. Like we have lots of awards for our, our, our animals. And where do the awards come from? Um, there's a national show in uh, which is held in Mullingar. Okay, a, uh, every just for alpacas. Just for alpacas, wow. yeah. Um, and it's only emerged in the last, like before, alpacas used to be part of a sub show, you know, of an, another agricultural show. Yeah. But now, in the last, uh, I think it is five years. Uh, there's a 100% alpaca show. Wow. Um, and the numbers are growing every year. I yeah. think this year now they might expect to get maybe 120 animals at it, spread across maybe 40, 40 breeders or so. Um, Brilliant. But it's it's a great leveller because no matter how well we think we're doing, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody else is trying to um, yeah. improve the quality as well. So, so it's a good one to see how your breeding programme is going. I, one thing I really admire is that you don't look at your competitors as competitors per se. You look at them as community. Yes. That was a decision that you made early on, right? Um, yeah, because like when I started, I uh, some some people were very the, okay to go in and introduce you to um, their animals and things like that. Mm. But when you started asking any questions around, um, you know, how do you make money? Yeah. Or your breeding or costs? They, they, some of them were very closed about it. I'm very open, yeah. you know, um, because the market is is really small. So there's plenty of room for everybody, you know. And it is a competitive market. And if you're not competing... you're not you're not going to succeed in the long run. So yeah. uh, the way I look upon it, if people are interested in them, they're going to find out anyway. So I might as well help them, you know. Um, and that way, you know, over time, um, you build up uh, a trust with the community there and they will come to you for advice and you can go to them for advice. Yeah. And because I have all these various products now, they're yeah. coming to me for products. Right. So, like, for example, Brexit... Um, resulted us in not being able to buy halters for yeah. the animals. So I sourced my own halters. So yeah. now I make halters and other people buy them for me, you know. So, <laughs> um, Brilliant. So that was something that took me a while as we developed our um, the spec, you know, yeah. and uh, they're made for me now in Pakistan, <laughs> believe it or not. So, Brilliant. Uh, so I import from Pakistan, I import from the UK, I import from Peru. Yeah. Um, and it's all all adds to what we're doing. So you got nicknamed Alpaca Joe, (laughs) and I know that you love it, Um, but in terms of sort of being that forerunner in Ireland, you know, now for alpacas, you know, um, where do you sort of see all of this going? Um, Well, I, like, being forefront, forerunner is both good and bad, you know, like we're on on the bleeding edge at times, you know, and that can be right, really painful. Uh, and, it, you know, it hasn't been all plain sailing. Like uh, back in 2020, um, uh, we got a hit with TB, for example. Well, okay. And despite having all the biosecurity uh, procedures in place, yeah. we still got a hit. And that was extremely painful. Um, so I would always caution people. Yeah. Uh, these are livestock animals. Yeah. They're prone to the vagaries that the environment will throw at them. Right. Uh, but, you know, when you look, when you look at, like I'm almost forward looking anyway um, yeah. and I'm always very positive um, I think there's a lot still to do with the alpacas mm. so there, there's a breeding like if, if people only want to get in as, as a supplementary income there's a breeding um, opportunity for for oh, 20 years to come right. you know um, because such is the demand for, for the animals yeah. um, 
and they're very easy to manage compared to like compared to sheep or yeah. even cattle and things. Alpacas are a lot easier to. Well, you handle. don't normally name your sheep. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well some people do. <laughs> they have a couple of pet <laughs> sheep, you know. But um, so that's something that we haven't really done a lot of is training yeah. because we've learned through trial and error and the hard way. But that's something we'll probably start doing now, basically to improve the welfare of animals because yeah. people, if they don't know how to handle them, then they're going to have problems. Um, we I try see an alpaca training school coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, it's it's a, it's another item in the stream. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. And, and there's different, even within the training, there's, there's different streams within the training, you know. Yeah. But it is important you know and you're genuinely interested in your animals and you know how to look after them. And um, I mean, I know that you take your, if your animals do get sick, you have the UCD veterinary services there oh, yes, as yeah. well. You yeah. know, do you have a local vet that will come out or is yeah. it only there? Uh, yes, no, we have our local vet, uh, Wicklow yeah. Vets, uh, yeah. and they've been with us now um, for five years. Yeah. And the reason we've stuck with them is that they are, uh, first of all, the main vet there who owns the practice, he has a great empathy for animals. Yeah. You know, and he, As you would hope with a vet. Yeah, well, no, some of them can be quite, you know, I suppose a bit like anybody, they're they're so used to dealing with animals. Yeah. Um, that's why we like him. And he has a genuine interest as well. So we were having some of our boys gelded there. And um, Dennis is the vet. He went and he went to a, a course in the UK on gelding alpacas. So he has a genuine interest in oh. doing it, you know. He'd never <laughs> well, done he wouldn't it want to get it wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's the thing where we always... You have to set your standard and stick with it. Yeah. So uh, we we gelded some boys there in the la last two weeks that some other people wouldn't, but we've set our standard quite high. Um, yeah. And you have to stick to what your principles are. You know. So five years time, magic wand. Where are you? What are you doing? Oh my God! Um, I could not believe I am where I am yeah. today. Um, I knew kind of roughly where I was going. I had identified these fifty different income streams. I have quite a lot of them in place, yeah. and now it's a matter of probably expanding those. So yeah. just doing more of those. Um, there's there's still lots of things that I haven't done that I'd like to do. So it'll be it'll be getting those in place. Those yeah. those other activities. Um, you know, even on the accommodation side, we have 90 acres on the farm. Yeah. We might in, add in some glamping. Uh, we've already been asked to do a wedding on the farm. Yeah, you know, that so, doesn't surprise me. So yeah. that is something that we're a bit of fun. Um, and we're looking at, you know, there's, there's just so many options. It's only held held back by my time, you know, and yeah. um, my ability to get things done. And that's why this year I'm kind of stepping back or trying to step back and hand over. It's very hard to leave go things, you know, so particularly when you enjoy it. Uh, but I have to be sensible and, and get more help in what I'm doing, you know. Yeah, well, it's the only way you can scale, but mm. also ultimately it's the only way you can really enjoy what you've got, Yeah, which yeah. is not to get bogged down by the things you don't enjoy. Exactly. Which, yeah. unfortunately. So if somebody is listening to this and they're thinking, my God, I'd love an alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> which we all would yeah. um, and I'm very I'm excited about that fact that woman in Ranler that has one actually. Yeah. Like, maybe it's possible for all of us to, to have one in livery with you what's the next step that they should do in terms of their interest alright I would say definitely do your research yeah. and look don't take any one person's uh, word yeah. visit multiple farms uh, do your research there's a lot more information on the internet now than even when I was doing it yeah um, you know, people are welcome to call down to us. We're just based outside Newtown on Kennedy and County Wicklow. Uh, we have our 80-odd animals there yeah. um, and we're happy to share the information that we have with people. But visit other farms as well. Yeah. Uh, and do your homework. Like when I started off, I worked out um, exactly how many animals I needed yeah. to create a sustainable business. Yeah. Uh, so I'd done all my work, I'd done all my research, all my costs um, and had a lovely spreadsheet which I still refer back to um, and uh, in fairness um, I set myself very challenging targets right. so if you don't set yourself but that's because you were in procurement <laughs> well probably yeah <laughs> but, uh, but I hit them all yeah. except during COVID you know, yeah. COVID was, was exceptional um, but by setting yourself a target it gives you something to go towards you know and set yourself yeah. deadlines as well because otherwise you'll only wander, you know, and otherwise it'll only ever be an idea and you'll never actually do anything, you know. What's the one, if you had to pick one best thing about having alpacas, what is it? Oh, it's 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 just the alpacas themselves. They are an amazing animal to work with, you know. Um, we, like everybody, like not just myself, everybody just loves being with them. You know, we love to see their individual personalities. Um, and, you know, there, there, there's... Um, 
there's um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they don't judge you, you know, and yeah. they they give to you quite freely, and and we look after them in the same way. And I just love being with them, you know. Today now it is a business, but at the same time. It wouldn't be a business unless we got on so well with, with, with our alpacas and they got on so well with us. You know, we, we work together. They're all part of the team as far as I'm concerned. This is why you're called Alpaca Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Phelan, K2 Alpacas. What an absolute privilege and a pleasure. And if you're thinking about getting an alpaca, give Joe a call. Thanks, Lorraine. <laughs> 